This episode of Gospel Bound is brought to you by Crossway and the new ESV Bible app. The ESV Bible app is designed to help you engage with God's Word on a deeper level, offering elegant, intuitive features to personalize your study, including multiple audio recordings of the full ESV text, audio playlists, customizable background music, daily reading plans, and more. Download the ESV Bible app on your phone or tablet, or visit esv.org to get started. Welcome to Gospel Bound, a podcast from the Gospel Coalition for those searching for resolute hope in an anxious age. I'm your host, Colin Hansen, and each week I'm joined by insightful guests to talk about their written work and how the gospel applies to all of life. Together, we keep looking until we see God working. Wherever you're listening, welcome. I'm glad you're here for today's conversation. Are you feeling pressure to understand and engage with an ever-growing array of confusing and polarizing issues? I mean, perhaps you've, you've witnessed bitter arguments tearing apart your family, your friends, and even your church. Well, you're not alone. I definitely feel it too. Every week, in fact, I, I hear from confused and concerned Christians. They want less heat. They want more light. They want to stay focused on the gospel of Jesus Christ. They want to put their faith into action. They want to care about what's happening in the world, but they don't know who to trust. Well, the Gospel Coalition serves the church by producing timely content that grapples with some of the most pressing issues of our day. And I'm praying that one of our newest and most exciting initiatives, the Good Faith Debates, will do just that. We're releasing a five-part video debate series featuring prominent Christian thinkers discussing some of the most divisive issues facing the church today, ranging from gun control to woke churches to abortion to racial injustice to evangelical self-identity. When we keep the gospel central, we can disagree on lesser but still important matters in good faith. And in the Good Faith Debates, then we hope to model this, showing that it's possible for two Christians united around the gospel to engage in charitable conversation, even if they don't agree with each other. In fact, I think it's even necessary to ensure that we're truly united around Jesus and not around a cultural or political agenda. Well, the moderator of these debates is my friend Jim Davis, teaching pastor at Orlando Grace Church and host of the As in Heaven podcast. He is a brave and wise soul, as you'll see in these videos. He joins me on Gospelbound to discuss what surprised him moderating these debates, what helped him as a pastor, and whether he changed his mind on anything, among other issues. Jim, thanks for joining me on the guest side of things. Hey, thanks for having me here, man. It was really fun to moderate those debates. Jim, why would you do something so foolish as to accept my invitation to moderate these debates? Well, part of me was happy to be the moderator and not the expert. I, That's true. In, in some ways, I got to stay neutral. You know, in my context, you and I know a lot of pastors, and they're, it, pretty much every pastor I know has tensions in their church to, to varying degrees, from politics, racial tensions, COVID. And uh, it just has made me, there's a lot of sadness in me, um, particularly what I've, you know, what I've experienced personally, whether it's in my church or other pastors or people in Orlando, uh, even, you know, close friends and family members where you have these disagreements in these areas and, and it, you end up losing relationship over things that, that really are secondary or even tertiary things. 
so for me, the opportunity to be a part of hopefully, and I've seen the debate, so I can say they did, modeling charitable disagreement. For me, I really wanted to be a part of that. I don't want to be a part of just arguing and making secondary and tertiary things the most important things and dividing relationally over them. So for me, I really did want to be a part of it. And I'm really excited about about how it came, came out. Now, Jim, this question is, I think, uh, fairly personal and maybe even kind of sensitive, but you've experienced division in your church. I think anybody can relate to some of the things that you've seen, some of the things that you've heard in your church. I know a lot of people, you know, pastors, they have fairly sensitive souls, I think, in many cases. They want to know they're doing the right thing. How do you know that amid these divisions you're doing the right thing and you're not the one causing the problems? Well, you know, I've literally had times in 2021, I'm in the, I can remember being in the shower and praying, God, if you want me to do something else, like if there was, if there was a really good job that, that, that came about and I didn't have to uproot my family, like I, I'd consider it. Uh, it. It was so hard. Now I'm not in that place at all. I'm, I'm loving my job. But it, it is, for me, I go back and I keep questioning my own motives. What am I trying to do here? Am I trying to win? Uh, am I trying just to convince people? Uh, or, or am I really trying to shepherd people uh, to the most important thing, which is Jesus? And when we have this, you know, the words of Jesus to the Ephesian church in Revelation 2, when we have this first love, I believe charitability will reign in these secondary and tertiary things. Now, in those divisions that you're seeing there, do you do you notice any common denominators? You're like, uh, when I hear this, I kind of know what's coming next. You know, there are some, sometimes I'll see uh, more fire than wood and I can just, okay, there's, there's more going on here and I want to understand that. Um, I see, I see real fear about where our country's going and, and I, I, I'm not saying I'm thrilled about the direction of the country. But I, I, I hope to help remind people that our, our citizenship is in heaven and, and that citizenship cannot be taken away from us and that kingdom is not going to fail. And so common denominator there would be fear. Um, and I think there's some of them, they're legitimate concerns about where our kids are going to grow up and our grandkids. And so I really want to affirm those concerns, but my hope is to put them in perspective so that we can all celebrate the sure hope we have in Jesus Christ and that we can uh, disagree on, as we'll talk about here with the debate, some applications of wisdom. I'm, I, I want to, all right, so I, I, I get, you know, I'm, I'm not used to being the guest. I'm used to being the host. So I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to host gospel bound for a second. I want to ask you the same question. What common denominators do you see? Because you have a very unique, I have a local view. Yeah. You have a 30,000 foot view. So one of the major reasons that we did these debates and the ways that we did them is because YouTube is usually the common denominator that I hear. Um, usually it's, I was watching this video on YouTube and then another interesting video popped up when that one was done. And then I kept watching and I learned a lot of things from there. And so... I would say that that's that was that's probably the number one thing that I see is somebody who is particularly drawn to the voices on YouTube that have perfected the art of 
divisive manipulation and simple lies. The difficulty is that, you know, I had a, had a situation in my church where it was it was a dynamic along these lines. And I was trying to think that I, I'm I'm used to working with a lot of people who well, that isn't that doesn't sound right. I, I'm used to situations dealing with people who lie for a living. It's kind of their their Christian ministry is to lie. The problem and I think most of them know that that's what they're doing. I did a preached a chapel at Cedarville a few years ago and this was kind of my theme was if you're lying for the sake of Christ something's wrong. The problem is a lot of people don't know that they're lying. They d- they don't know the backstories, they don't know the individuals, they don't they just don't know the truth. And so that, that my hope was maybe we can maybe we help game the algorithm not by just sort of saying here's the gospel coalition view on everything because there isn't one we're a coalition by definition but to be able to help show that there are a lot of complicated issues out there that christians disagree on and on certain issues like the ones that we featured here on these debates there's not the only christian way to think about something and so oddly enough I don't really see anybody out there, Jim, recording videos on YouTube about, you know, like Trinitarian heresies, except, you know, maybe some Lutheran satire folks from years ago. But I don't see a lot of people doing videos about that. I see people doing a lot of videos about political and social issues that are well downstream from from gospel principles. Now, they may be important. They may be connected in, in vital ways, but... Yeah, you know, I, I say all the time, why, you know, why do we do one on gun control here? Well, try this. See if the members of your congregation have stronger views about Arianism or about gun control. Just see. Um, I don't know many. I don't. I don't know any pastors who would be. I mean, we have some prominent people now who who teach sub. I mean, sub Trinitarian false beliefs i think and yet they're still seen as trusted voices because they're on the right side of a social or political issue that's a problem but it's because i can't turn on any cable news channel and have a discussion about the implications of of the you know of of the nicene creed but i can turn on anything i want and see somebody talking about guns that answer your question. No, I Jim? think that's. I think that. Yeah, it uh, it does. I think it's well said. We, you know, a little background. You know this story, but our our podcast was just for our local church. You know, we weren't yeah, having right. church. This is the as in heaven. We're we don't have community group. We don't. Um, I I felt helpless to shepherd really the church. So we had this podcast. Nobody was doing anything. So people like you who would have normally been very busy doing other things are available to come on my local church podcast. And, uh, and it really was just for the local church until the Gospel Coalition acquired it, which was not our plan. We're very thankful for that. But then you have these, these people online who began to attack TGC and the podcast. And what I, I, I'm affirming your point here, but I would, there, there were these articles that would frequently be texted to me by, if you're not watching, you see my air quotes, Christian journalists. And I would have to tell people, this is not journalism, nor is it Christian and I won't say who they are because I don't want to give them any more uh, 
visibility than they have, but it, it was the algorithms producing this stuff. Well, I mean, we're kind of what we're hoping that'll happen here is that you watch the videos because you're interested in the topics. You would want to have a well-informed view on them. You you want to hear not a cable news five-minute manufactured debate, but I mean, correct me if I'm wrong. I think we gave 35 minutes. We get the presentations are both shorter, but then 35 minutes of discussion that you moderate in there. So, I mean, I think I think venues like YouTube are extremely helpful to be able to do this kind of stuff and and get around all of the stuff that we see on on cable news and things like that or or other forms of social media that are more truncated. So I'm I'm hopeful about this, but I'm hoping that people do stumble across these videos because of their divisive nature and and it has the effect of bringing them back to a passion about the gospel. And so that's really my next question is I don't think Jim it's going to be logical to people to think they're debating about gun control, therefore we should be more focused on the gospel. I think that requires some explanation. Can you give it a stab of explaining why we did it that way? Yeah, what I, I appreciate, there were no primary or essential doctrine issues being debated. They were all what we would call the application of wisdom. And so the, the gospel and the Bible, I mean, there's a lot on the Bible about wisdom. The gospel informs wisdom. And so what we're doing here isn't getting away from the gospel to talk about something else. We are taking uh, different applications of gospel wisdom to these issues. And and I thought the guests that, I mean, you, you and, and I guess Brett McCracken were the, the, the people most that I saw dealing most with choosing the guests in that um, and I thought they did a great job of it. It was, well, I, I'm getting off your question, but I I, yeah. I was really pleased with how that happened. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's not an easy thing. It's, I don't think it's intuitive for people. They're thinking, oh, the Gospel Coalition is talking about woke church. Why don't you just preach the gospel? I mean, the reality is I've simply never seen somebody say just preach the gospel who won actually only preaches the gospel themselves. Otherwise, they wouldn't be telling me to preach the gospel because that's not preaching the gospel in and of itself. But second, it's it's not helpful. I, I've been telling church leader groups for quite a while now that your church doesn't need less politics. It actually needs more. That's counterintuitive. But what I don't mean is they need more partisanship. They don't need more partisanship, but that's all that we actually think politics is about is partisanship. Just check your, your, your reporters online and see they think politics is who's up, who's down, who's, who's left, who's right, who's got money, who's in, who in the polls. There's not a lot of debate about actual substantive, substantive issues out there. And so ironically, by actually talking about these issues and bringing them into your church, you're able to lower the heat on them out of a partisan atmosphere, equip people with with gospel wisdom, as, as you said right there, of biblical wisdom, help them connect there. And in doing so, it actually maintains and builds your unity in the church. People think that you have more unity in a church if everybody's agreed on every issue. Well, it's actually unity not, is not conformity. Yeah, it's not conformity. And also it usually means if that's, if that's what you're aiming for in the church, it usually means that your group is committed to a certain cultural, political agenda that includes Jesus at some point. 
Maybe it's at the top. Maybe it's in the middle. Maybe he's at the bottom. But it's really kind of a cultural, political agenda there. To have a church where people can disagree about certain wisdom issues is actually a church that is focused on the gospel and that uniting people and not on all that other agenda. Now, let's talk about some of the debates in particular, Jim. Um, which debate worried you the most during preparation and why? Well, there are different kinds of worry. I, I had multiple <laughs> worries. Um, so I was, uh, you know, the, the two really hot button issues, um, you have the woke church debate and the racial justice debate. I, I wanted to give a lot of care in the way that I prepared my questions. Um, so there was, there was some worry there just because of how heated those conversations have been all around the nation. Um, I was a little worried that on the, the term evangelical, having a seminary professor and a sociologist argue each other, I was worried they were going to argue past each other. Um, that, that didn't end up happening. And then I'm, you know, I'm just, uh, of course, there's always some insecurity and worry that I'm not going to do a good job in what I've been asked to do. But those would have been, but worry about the specific debates, those would have been the top ones. Um, yeah, well, I mean. What about you? I, you, well, you I find put, it, you've I've, picked these people. Yeah, I find, I find in my job that it's kind of a, kind of a high wire act. Uh, usually things come together late and things kind of just, I don't know. I find you, you trust God. You try not to hold too too tightly under the details. Trust him to be able to lead in some surprising ways, and you'll be more happy with the result. And so, I was hopeful about all of them, but I was, um, I guess, I was just more worried about the entire thing because we've never done anything like it before. In fact, I I don't really see anybody else uh, trying to do this. And so, um, I'm just I was just grateful for how it turned out. It was I wouldn't say I was anxious or worried about it. I was just I was just sort of thankful uh, in the end there. And because I'm wondering, Jim, how did how did you prepare for covering so much ground in these debates? Because I mean, how do you how do you keep up with contemporary issues as a busy pastor? Well, I mean, many of these contemporary issues are issues that people inside our church are wanting to talk about. So so it's not to me, it doesn't feel like something that I I, I I leave my pastor job to go and do this. This is this is a part of pastoring is talking with people about these issues, the application of wisdom, um, getting to the heart of preparation. I mean, I, you know, you know, the I did have these debates about ten days ahead, and I want to give a shout out. I have a, a an intern at our church, Evan McCarthy, who is a, a very valuable research assistant to the in this regard. And so my my in my preparation. Um, I mean, I, I took what we're doing in the church and it didn't require a lot of research. I mean, you and I have talked about these things a number of oh, times. Yeah. Um, times. So th- these are kind of things I think most pastors are engaging in regularly. And so to have the opportunity to come in and help create an environment where people can disagree on very important issues, but still clearly hold the gospel of Jesus Christ as the most important thing. And let me also say from your perspective, your nervousness of or anxiety or whatever you want to call it, this was a big production. Like this is that, that was, I didn't have to bear the, uh, the burden of the production, but we were in the museum of the Bible. We, I mean, you have an outstanding production team with Seth and Steven and Josh and all the other people. I mean, there were, I mean, it was a, yeah, there was a live audience. Of course, the primary audience is not live. There were, you just, there were, 
I just get to step in, but a lot of people were working to pull this off. Yeah, absolutely. Josh Diaz, uh, Stephen Morales, Seth Magnuson, Dan Drennan, really grateful yeah. for all those guys and their work. I mean, it's an and, all-star crew. Yeah, when I and I appreciate so much how, I mean, the, the video presentations give people a little bit of a sense of, of the behind-the-scenes dynamic in there, but um, it was just, it was, yeah, it was a lot of fun for me to not have to worry about that part of it and just uh, entrust it to those guys there. Um, how would you, you know, you're listening to this podcast, you're wondering about these things coming out. How would you see these debates helping you as a pastor? Because, again, I, I'm imagining most people will think, oh, man, I have too much of this kind of debate in my church. I want to stay away from it. I just want to focus on some some nice biblical things and not, not ruffle any feathers. Why would this actually be beneficial for a church leader to bring in? I mean, just think talking as a pastor. I mean, I would love for people in our church to watch these debates and it, it's, it's the tone, you know, it, it's these people were clearly passionate about what they're arguing. I mean, there's, there's no lack of passion, but there is this gospel supremacy that models a models. Okay, this is this is what it should look like, and and I don't think any of the people who debated would not. I, I don't I don't want to speak for them, but I didn't get the sense that they would split fellowship in a church over these issues. I think they they, they modeled the the charitability, and I, I you know I've toyed around. I, have, I don't want to commit myself to anything, but I've toyed around with having something in our church where we watch it and have a discussion group and. And I think these debates, they set the tone, which is so important, to be able to disagree strongly and love each other in the midst of that disagreement. Well, I'm sure you've seen the same things that I've seen, Jim, and I'm, I'm sure there'll be somebody, somebody skeptical listening to this uh, right now, even trying to maybe parse out some things to, um, to, to embarrass and whatnot. But you hear a lot of people talking about tone police complaining about tone that's kind of an elite thing let me explain what i think think i mean or i think what you mean about that as well we deliberately chose people who knew what they were talking about committed to the gospel and committed to building up the church unfortunately there are a lot of voices from multiple perspectives who do not have a commitment to the gospel who do not have a commitment to building up and have every incentive to divide, to slander, and to destroy. That is how they make money. That is how they become, that is how they grow their profile. That is how they grow their platform. And we deliberately did not include people who grow their platform, their fame, their fortune by lying about other Christians and about trying to deceive. I mean, that, that's just, that was, that was a non-negotiable for us. And that's what it means to be a part of something called the Gospel Coalition is that we don't expect everybody to agree on things. And when Don Carson, one of our co-founders with Tim Keller, hired me, he said, Colin, never, ever, ever violate anything in our foundation documents. Never go against anything there. In fact, it's a fireable offense. But beyond that, have at it. And I, I appreciate that has always been Dr. Carson's attitude about things. It's always been, 
I'll never forget it, the 2009 National Conference for TGC. I was going through the bookstore, and I saw N.T. Wright's book on justification for sale. I sure remember those days, Jim, when that was the hottest debate anywhere. And I, I said to Dr. Carson, I saw N.T. Wright's book on justification. He said, let him read and argue. <laughs> Maybe it's the academic in him. Maybe it's just sort of the the Cambridge Don uh, perspective or something. But it's an it's an attitude that I can say just allowed somebody in my position to flourish in those ways over the years, and I'm and I'm really grateful for that. Well, I just I just want to say also what I appreciate about the kinds of people that you picked, and I would even put you in this category. Typically you're not going to be a New York Times bestseller if you don't do what you're talking about, if you don't practice something that's going to get you to the extremes. And there's just a humility about that kind of person that's more committed to the gospel of Jesus Christ than they are making money and fame for themselves. Yeah. Well, and I want to want to say also, here's another opportunity to clarify something that I see a lot of confusion about and even a lot of anger toward TGC and toward our leaders about I think there's an attitude of, okay, so this is more of TGC trying to promote moderation. Don't you understand? This is a time for vigilance and a time for war and a time for division, if necessary, to be able to guard against those wolves that have stolen in among the sheep. Okay, look, this is not about lacking conviction. This is not about picking the mean between two extremes. This is about keeping what Don Carson always said, being prophetic from the center, being focused on the gospel, which puts everything else into perspective. And also it is a recognition, and this is a deeply ingrained in my journalistic training, is a sense of suspicion of people who have something to gain by lying and dividing. I've already said this. When you're trained journalistically and you're accustomed to dealing with people like politicians, you have to understand a politician's job is not necessarily to tell you the truth. It is to get reelected. And to get reelected, there are any number of convenient or outright or blatant lies that most politicians are very happy to perpetuate. Unfortunately, that dynamic comes into the church as well. And so it's not necess- it's not just that or necessarily that somebody makes the New York Times list by being an extremist. It's that somebody makes a bestseller list sometimes by selectively painting opponents in the worst possible way and stringing things together in a way that will garner maximum attention and develop the most sort of even a vitriolic response. I go back to my my early days at at TGC and one of the things that we saw develop is that publishers began to generate a Rob Bell marketing campaign approach, which was if we can just get all the reformed Theo bros really angry about the offensive things that we publish as a Christian publisher, we'll make millions. And not every Christian publisher does that, and it doesn't happen all the time, but it's amazing how often a Christian publisher will send me a book knowing that I will think that it's unbiblical in the hopes that I will talk about it so that they will get attention so that they can sell more books. That's what I mean. 
there are just some really perverse incentives in a media culture. And I think it's important to say that obviously, Jim, you and I want these debates to be seen. We want people to use them. We want them to serve people. I don't think I can claim as the vice president and editor in chief of the Gospel Coalition that I that I don't think about these things. Of course I do. But I can say, knowing you and, and all the conversations we've had, what we care about is the church. And what we see as our responsibility is to build up the church. And isn't anything we would do to try to undermine that because that's the calling that we've been given in life. Here's an interesting one, Jim. Did any of the debates change your mind? I don't think my mind was changed, but I definitely, there were certain debates where I was like, I, I haven't thought about that part of it. And and that was really good. Um, and in some places I, I walked away feeling like, even though I have the same opinion, I'm I'm a little more sympathetic to the opposing view. And and per what you're saying, what you were you were just saying in the beginning of that statement, um, I don't think anybody who watches these is going to think that any of these people, you know, that they watered anything down or that they no, I don't compromised think so. in any way. I mean, these were very passionate firm. debates. Yeah. Yes, they were firm, firm in their in their positions. What about you? I would say yes. Now, one of the debates I think that had the most overlap was with Scott Klusendorf and Karen Pryor. I would say that my natural inclinations are toward Karen's side of things politically. But I would say that in Scott's presentation, the way he describes the dynamic of sort of a integrity and credibility of the pro-life position, depending on whether we are pro-life in a wide range of issues or only abortion, I thought it was helpful when he when he said, if you did everything right, if you supported every social program, every social safety net, Christians were the most supportive people, and everybody knew that of mothers in trouble, of, of babies who cannot be supported. Do you think that these pro-choice advocates would change their mind? And I said, yeah, I think you're right, Scott. I don't think they would. <laughs> So I think there's a sense in which we do these things because they're the right thing to do insofar as God calls us to doing them, to supporting these women and these children um, and holding fathers accountable and on and on and on. And But we don't do it because it's a political strategy because I think there's a there are some satanic strongholds there that are not going to recognize integrity even if they saw more of it. And also, and the fact is, there are so many pro-life heroes out there who've been doing for decades the exact things that pro-choice advocates say that they're not doing, and it's not like it changes the narrative on their side. So we do it to help those women. Yeah, I walked away from that debate really having a renewed appreciation for the people who, in terms of the organization of the pro-life movement, uh, a deeper desire for them to want to have a very a specific focus for what they're trying to accomplish. And, and I, and I still, you know, I thought Karen did a really good job of stating her position. Actually, I'll tell you that this was the one debate where I started hyperventilating as a moderator because they agreed so much yeah, on the most important parts of right. it. But yeah. we, we ended up going to politics and found some, some, you know, disagreement in terms of what we do with our vote on abortion. But, and Karen had a really interesting argument for, why Christians are inconsistent when we argue for uh, 
allow abortion in the case of rape that I thought was really an interesting argument that is not normally made. Yeah, no, that's what, which, which there's, I mean, there's absolutely a situation there where politically speaking, it's more expedient to compromise in ways that actually undermine the entire integrity of our position in those cases. And so yeah, everybody is tempted to essentially say, well, let's try to get as much as we can because that's just politics, but in ways that, yeah, turn out to be kind of inconsistent. So yeah, that, that'll be an interesting one for people to watch. And like you said, there's a lot of agreement there, more so than the other ones, I would say. But still, that was the one that stuck, stood out to me when I was preparing ahead of time. I thought, huh, kind of surprised. I've spent decades working on this sort of stuff and haven't quite thought of it that way. Now, Jim, this is a fun question. Which of these debaters would you least want to face? Oh, that's an easy answer. Rebecca McLaughlin. <laughs> she walked in. So you, there, you, the viewers can see. No, no question. I, I mean, she. There's a there's a table, and they would debate from this table, and the notes would go on the table and look at the camera, and you have pastors, lawyer. Uh, seminary professor, sociologist, people who speak and are on podcasts for a living, all using their notes, all of them. They're all using their notes. And then she comes in in her British accent and says, I don't need the table. And I mean, I've got her debate in my hand and she passionately, without missing a beat, delivers everything from her heart and her mind, not needing a single note. And then she brings her own life experience into it. I, I, I never... I, I, I hope I quote her accurately, but there was a moment when she said, and this was on the woke church thing, if there was anybody who would want to find same-sex marriage in the Bible, it's me, because I've been attracted to women my whole of my adult life. And I mean, it was already a quiet room, but I felt like you could hear a, a pin drop. And so it, it, she just, like, and, and nothing against her opponent or anybody, like, she was just clearly... Uh, excellent at what she does what about you yeah i well i really i thought um everybody was more than capable that's not it's not a question and there'll be some people that people don't know as well um a lot of people i think will probably be meeting brian davis for the first time there but brian has thought deeply as a church as a church leader philadelphia washington dc for many years um, about racial injustice and the role of the church and the mission of the church. People will appreciate that. Sean DeMars, friend of mine here, but a lot of people will recognize Sean from the Amer from American Gospel, the documentary. So people will know Sean more, and Sean's also published as well. But, um, but I did think those guys were heroes for stepping up to the plate against Rebecca and against Justin Gibney. <laughs> so they're just, I mean, there's a difference between me and Justin Sean. would be the number two that I wouldn't want yeah. to go against. <laughs> well, there's a difference between me and Sean and Brian standing up there and, you know, guys who get paid to talk for a living, you know, that's fine. And then there's just a whole level of, oh, you do this professionally. <laughs> that was a, that would be intimidating for me. So yeah, my, my, you know, shout out to Sean and Brian out there. I mean, there, there are a few times, you know how this is, you probably experienced this on your podcast and other things where you just, I'm so enthralled with what the person is saying. I just lose where I am. And, uh, and that happened a few times. I mean, the, the people you, you picked were very capable. Honestly, I wouldn't want to go up against any of them. I like yeah, moderating. 
Yeah, that's true. Well, last uh, last question before the final three here, Jim. Um, what do you think will surprise or uh, encourage viewers? Well, we've covered some of it. It was it was some of it you don't see in the debate. Like, so I got to see. It felt like most of these people, while they knew of each other, were meeting each other for the first time. And so it was really neat seeing them, uh, even after the debates, uh, exchanging phone numbers and tweeting complimentary things about each other. Um, uh, you know, some of my surprises, you know, the, the debate that I was concerned about, a sociologist and seminary professor, they actually, they, they really did a great job of talking about the, the term evangelical. Um, and it was just, there was a sweet feel, even against, again, serious disagreements, very uh, passionate pleas. Uh, it, it was. I, I was just reminded. Oh yeah, this can happen. <laughs> this this is what Christians should be like. What about you? Well, another well, another thing with. Um, I think maybe it's this. I, I yeah, I fully expect Jim, especially with this topic and or this this approach and things like that. We'll have some people watching and and listening who are especially skeptical about TGC, and they're looking to to catch us in something that they think will be embarrassing. And you know, I'm pretty good at being embarrassing so <laughs> have at it but i think what'll be surprising for people is that they just may expect that what we're trying to do at the gospel coalition is trying to be moderate like i said earlier before that we're trying to just kind of coax everybody into getting along and downplaying their differences and whatnot but let me say this it takes a certain kind of person to want to stand up on a debate stage at the Museum of the Bible in Washington, D.C., have their beliefs scrutinized there by a moderator, by somebody who's been chosen to be on the other side, and to be willing to go up on YouTube permanently with that. So you don't get people to agree to do that who are who are not known for having some, some sharp elbows of some, some sharp tongue, like that are willing to take some blows and willing to give some rhetorical blows back. These are people who care so much about their position that they're willing to enter into the arena. That I think maybe will surprise people. Maybe, maybe they don't know how much behind the scenes we disagree about stuff we argue about stuff we push each other on stuff because when you share a common confidence in christ and in his gospel you're free to do that i think some of the hardest words have been reserved for me by my closest friends in all of life but including at work at tgc but it's exactly as the proverbs tell us or as the bible tells us like these are faithful wounds from friends and so i think maybe that'll surprise some of the skeptics listening here now or watching here now um of just thinking ah here we go this is where tgc is going to tell everybody to you know be all moderate and all tim keller-esque and that's not even what tim is like tim's got he's got some strong views Anyway, yes, yeah, so I think people will be surprised. People will be surprised by that. Well, uh, let me say, Colin, to support that, what what surprised me, like what you're saying, is the way these people not only debated each other, but their flanks as well. Yeah. So you, you have, you know, 
I, you, know, you, you just saw the person, let's say there's generally speaking a right and a left, you know, the person on the right was not just arguing the left, they were arguing the hyper right. And the person on the left wasn't just arguing the right, but the hyper left, which shows this prophetic center voice or the moderate position you're talking about. Well, that, yeah, that's one of the distinctives of the Gospel Coalition that I think is going to come through for people is the notion of multi-directional leadership, as as uh, Trevin Wax has written for us at TGC. So, um, yeah, just I, I think in order to be faithful to the biblical examples that we've been given, we have to be able to recognize that dangers come to us from more than one direction. Um, again, I think you can see that in, obviously in Jesus's ministry, obviously in Paul's ministry, all throughout the scripture, all throughout what we're commended to look at, but the world tends to, in the short term, commend and reward one directional leaders who demonize, who antagonize, uh, other people, basically demagogues, um, demagogues tend to flash brightly and quickly in this world. Um, but I don't think they reap that lasting biblical fruit. Um, I'm going to go to the final three now with Jim Davis, my guest here, Gospel Bound. He's the teaching pastor, Orlando Grace Church, host of the As in Heaven podcast, which you can find through the Gospel Coalition. Check out those archives. Final three here, Jim. First, how do you find calm in the storm? Yeah, I mean, we've got pastor of church. I've got four kids. My wife is a full-time counseling student at RTS. And, uh, you know, I, my kids go into their sports games, um, throwing the baseball outside, uh, the rare time that I can go golfing ideally with them, or even just, just going to the gym. I mean, and, and obviously reading the Bible, praying, I feel like those are a given, but those are the other kinds of ways that I find calm in my life. Yeah. Well, second, where do you find good news today? What am I reading? What am I finding good news? Um, man, that's a great question. Not on Facebook. Um, <laughs> I actually have gone back and have been reading Dune, um, the old 1960, whatever novel. I, I, I have to say I was, I'm kind of a sci-fi nerd and have, heard about the book, watched the movie. The book has a lot more details. And um, th- there's just some some good news in that about there, there's some, even amidst the war, there, there, it's one of these classic, there is a chosen one. <laughs> and, and there's there's a Lord of the Rings type savior. That it's, been, it's been kind of an escape, but I've enjoyed going back to something that's just fiction. Uh, we're reading a lot of about de-churching, as you know, living in the great de-churching, working on a book for that. Well, um, you may have already covered this. What's the last great book you've read? Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm almost done with it. Dune has been, Dune is like Lord of the Rings in space. And, and the movie was great, dude. <laughs> the book is just so much better. And uh, that's, that's been a fun, that's been a fun thing. All right. You like a little bit of Elon Musk. You like a little bit of J.R.R. Tolkien. You love Dune. Uh, so uh, I love that you Lord of the Rings me. in space. <laughs> so, well, I, I appreciate uh, again my friend Jim Davis here, teaching pastor Orlando Grace Church, host of the As in Heaven podcast, and moderator 
of the Gospel Coalition's Good Faith Debates. Check them out at thegospelcoalition.org starting on May 4th. So celebrate your Star Wars holiday by watching the first of our Good Good Faith Debates. Jim, thanks so much for joining me. Thank you, Colin. Thanks for listening to this episode of Gospel Bound. For more interviews and to sign up for my newsletter, head over to tgc.org slash gospelbound. Rate and review Gospel Bound on your favorite podcast platform so others can join the conversation. Until next time, remember, when we're bound to the gospel, we abound in hope.